This is Andy. It's just me. Dan had to leave a little early tonight for some reason. I think he had to go pick up takeout for his girlfriend before creation closed. Uh, that was his situation tonight. So it's just me here introducing this history segment bonus episode ahead of our live review of The Rickshaw on Sunday at the Royal. That's June 6th at 5 p.m. with special guest Katie Still, one of the funniest people in Springfield. Very excited to do a live show with her. Also excited to uh, collect canned goods for Ozark's Food Harvest, as we always do at our live shows, and to collect supplies for the Southwest Missouri Solidarity Network. That's right. Bring camping gear. Don't buy camping gear. Bring camping gear that you're no longer using. You can stand to get rid of because there are people in the city, our unhoused neighbors. They can definitely make use of it if it's just sitting in your closet, something like that. We can also accept plastic cutlery napkins sauces stuff you've saved or not used from takeout orders i brought a whole bunch of mine to them fairly recently and was pretty excited that somebody will get to get uh, some use out of those instead of just having all that stuff sit in my pantry okay with that all said i'm gonna hit play on this history segment here in just a little bit but before we do i just want to say that this is one of the most interesting restaurant histories I have encountered since we started doing the show. I was not stoked to start doing another research project because I've gotten really tired of doing it. However, about 10 minutes into this one, it became really fun and really fascinating. I'm really excited for everybody to hear it. And special thanks to Miranda and Steve Udley, who provided their voices for some of the narration here. It gets a little long. Didn't want this to be monotonous with just me talking. Dan does some quotes in there, too. If you hear the voice of somebody other than me, that means what you're hearing is either a direct quote from an article that I cited previously or a direct quote from someone involved in the story, which will also have been stated outright. So without further ado, I present to you the history of the rickshaw, the oldest restaurant in downtown Springfield. Rickshaws were, and I guess still are, two-wheeled carts used for transportation, kind of like a reverse wheelbarrow, with the passenger sitting on a seat in the back being propelled forward by another person on foot in front by either pulling two extended rods from behind or pushing one rod forward. I hope that makes any sense at all. Rickshaws were first invented in France in the late 1600s for merchant use, but in the 1870s, rickshaws were independently invented in Japan as well, during which time they became the country's primary mode of transportation. Rickshaw running was considered the lowest class of job at the time. Carting around by foot people with more money than you was understandably thought to be extremely degrading work. However, Around 14,000 young men were running rickshaws concurrently at the height of their popularity around 1873. 
rickshaws were not nearly as popular in China as they were in Japan, though they were present in China in the late 1800s. There were about 10,000 runners in China versus the 40,000 in Japan, and considering the population ratios there, it's pretty weird to call a Chinese restaurant in Springfield, Missouri, the rickshaw. I mean, it's weird until you learn that the founder of downtown Springfield's The Rickshaw was a white dude named Gene Templeton. More about him in a bit. The Rickshaw's space on the southeast corner of Boonville and Olive has existed since at least 1858. Yes, before rickshaws themselves existed in Southeast Asia. Back then, a stagecoach postman named John Butterfield used the space as a drop-off point. He was the first person to run U.S. mail from Missouri all the way to San Francisco. At some point over the next 100 years, the space was converted into a kitchen and restaurant. The business there immediately prior to the rickshaw was called Warner Brothers Barbecue. No affiliation with the movie studio, just some brothers that were named Warner who started a barbecue restaurant. And now we're back to Gene. Local tax accountant Gene Templeton was in his early 50s when he opened the rickshaw in November of 1983. I could be wrong, but it looks like Gene was still working his accountant day job during the time that he owned the rickshaw, and that might have been because he'd hired a Vietnamese refugee to run day-to-day operations at the restaurant. I found a couple articles that said Gene Templeton co-owned the rickshaw with a man named Oot Nguyen, but Oot's name does not appear on any of the official business registration documents. However, I did find a picture of Oot Nguyen with a summary of his immigration story. The Springfield Greene County Library has an online archive of historically significant photos called From the Dark Room. That collection features a striking image of Oot Win working in a local flooring factory. The caption reads, Oot Win fled Vietnam with his family after the fall of Saigon. Enduring an 850-mile trek on foot and three years of transport, the family worked their way toward freedom. First to Cambodia, then Thailand, the Philippines, and eventually Springfield, arriving a few days before Christmas in 1983. I wish there was more information out there about Gene Templeton, Oot Win, and the first decade of the rickshaw so I could provide a more accurate estimation of the order of events here, but there were just too many missing pieces to this puzzle. It's okay, though, because there was a wealth of information about the rickshaw's second era. On June 14, 1994, Gene Templeton sold the rickshaw to a Cambodian refugee couple named Savan Yim and Kim Som Son, whose journey to Springfield is the most harrowing story I have come across doing research for this show. In March of 1998, the newsleader published a profile of the Yim family written by reporter Sarah Overstreet, and much of what you're about to hear will be direct quotes from her article. First, though, here's some necessary background information, not all of which is going to be exciting or easy to hear. Cambodia is a country in Southeast Asia, sandwiched between Thailand and Vietnam, a location which made it a crucial part of Vietnam's supply lines before, during, and after what we in the U.S. call the Vietnam War, which continued on after our country's direct involvement ended in 1973. 
Cambodian leadership during the first half of the 20th century had been fraught, to say the least. Amidst U.S. bombings of Vietnamese bases and forces in Cambodia during the early 70s, which killed thousands of Cambodian civilians, men, women, and children, a coup was staged, which set off a civil war that led to the eventual takeover of the Cambodian government by the Khmer Rouge Party, led by infamous Cambodian revolutionary Pol Pot. Over the next five years, the Khmer Rouge executed somewhere between 1.5 and 2.7 million Cambodians suspected of having had connections to previous Cambodian governments. Somewhere in the middle of all that is where Sarah Overstreet's profile of rickshaw owners Savan Yim and Kim Som Son begins. Savan and Kim lived through the Khmer Rouge bloodbath of Pol Pot. When Khmer Rouge seized Cambodia, they sent Savan to a mountain village and Kim to dig canals in a rice field. At this point, they had not yet met. They were in their late teens. Kim slept in an uncovered hammock all winter, getting only one or two hours of sleep per night. She ate only a bowl of thin rice soup daily. The article goes on to detail the brutality Savan witnessed in captivity. I'm not going to make you listen to any of it, but whatever you're imagining, it's probably much worse. Kim and a friend escaped from the rice fields. Kim made a float out of two banana trees, and her friend, who couldn't swim, hung on while Kim swam on her back and pulled the two across a river. They managed to make it to a village, but they were discovered by soldiers there. Kim was allowed to stay in the village because a soldier's wife recognized her from a past life, but Kim's friend, the one with whom she had escaped, was killed. I think that this village where Kim wound up is the same one where Savan was also being held captive. The Khmer Rouge arranged Kim and Savan's marriage. They had never met before they were married in a mass ceremony with 30 other couples. They were allowed three days together before they were sent back to their separate jobs. The Vietnamese took over Cambodia in the late 70s, which split the Khmer Rouge into warring factions. Savan and Kim took advantage of their captors' inattention and escaped from their camp. They walked through minefields, putting one foot directly in front of the other to increase their chances of safety. Their oldest son was born in the woods under a lean-to Kim made with bamboo and a sheet of plastic. The young family eventually made it to an American Red Cross refugee camp where Savan made immigration arrangements with U.S. Embassy officials. A Missouri-based Catholic organization agreed to sponsor the trip, and that's how the Yim family wound up in Springfield in 1983. In the decade prior to purchasing the rickshaw, Kim worked in factories and cleaned houses while Savan worked his way up from dishwasher to bakery manager at Smitty's, a local grocery store. The couple bought the rickshaw in 1994 and continued its tradition as downtown Springfield's only Chinese restaurant. They've kept at it ever since. The elder members of the family are now in their 60s and they are proud grandparents. In a 2014 interview, Savan Yim explained his ethos for the rickshaw. We work hard and we make good food. That's why people like to come back. Downtown Springfield has changed dramatically in the decades since the rickshaw opened, but the rickshaw hasn't changed with it. Writer Jonathan Groves nicely summed up the restaurant's atmosphere in an article from April 2006. At first blush, the rickshaw's well-worn yellow exterior doesn't match the hip vibe of downtown. There's little glamour about the straightforward signage and dark corner store feel. 
The recessed doorway seems more at home in a weathered part of New York City than Springfield. A step inside reveals a modest interior with cafeteria-like seating for 40. Some decorations dot the walls, and there's a glass drugstore counter inside of which is what looks like a family collection of Asian statues. That descriptive paragraph by Jonathan Groves was better than anything I could have written. However, to give a real sense of what the rickshaw was like in the 80s and 90s, there's one missing element. Smoke. The rickshaw was a smoker's haven, or at least due to its size, one person smoking inside was enough to haze the air, and a few smokers could create a dense fog. Savanyim, taking the health of his family into account, banned smoking in the year 2000, three years before the city itself made indoor smoking illegal. My restaurant is too small. It's cleaner now, and it smells a lot better. That same 2006 article about the rickshaw made note of another important detail about the place. The restaurant's proprietors are friendly and hardworking. A couple of visits will earn you a nod of recognition, and regular customers are greeted warmly. This could not be more true. I became a regular at the rickshaw during college, like 14 years ago or something. All three people who regularly worked the counter knew me well enough to say hi and make small talk. That would be... Uh, you know, Savan, Keem, and one of their sons. Eventually, I moved away, and when I moved back, I didn't really return to the rickshaw for some reason. However, I stopped in once in 2019. Uh, I talked about it on the show. It had been roughly seven years since the last time, and the man behind the counter, uh, the son, his face lit up, and he welcomed me enthusiastically and wanted to catch up as if we were old friends. And it felt the same way to me. The Rickshaw is a Chinese restaurant in downtown Springfield, Missouri, USA, named for an archaic and primarily Japanese mode of transportation. It was founded in the 1980s by a white man, but the business was run day-to-day by a Vietnamese man for a decade before it was sold to a Cambodian couple whose family still runs the place today. There are not many restaurant origin stories more definitively Springfield than this one a convoluted tale that doesn't necessarily matter nearly as much as does the experience of walking in the door, waiting in line to order, catching up with the owner, and snagging that window seat table so that while you eat your huge, steaming hot, and absurdly cheap plate of cashew chicken, you can watch every manner of Springfieldian cross Olive Street on their way to the DMV and get a real, pure sense of this city. All right, that's it. Dan and I will be reviewing The Rickshaw with special guest Katie Still live this Sunday at the Royal, 5 p.m. We're collecting donations for the Southwest Missouri Solidarity Network, camping gear, and food gear. Details in the show notes and on the socials. See you all this Sunday. Spring Food Media.